Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Her. I think you're going to like this one. Uh, Every time we talk about sex, uh, the amount of listens actually goes through the roof. So you're really going to like our guest we have today. Her name is Dr. Renee Wellenstein, and she is referred to as the libidoologist. So welcome, doctor. Would you you go by Dr. Renee, Dr. Wellenstein? I go by Dr. Renee. Okay. All right. Well, welcome, Dr. Renee. So for those that don't know it, explain to us, like, what what does that mean? What is a libidoologist? It is a completely made up name. <laughs> it is my, You will not find it in a dictionary. It is my name. It's a registered trademark to me. And, you know, really what it is, it's the study of libido. And, you know, I, I can truly say that for the past 20 plus years of working with women, I have studied libido because it's always been that puzzle to me, you know, as well as my patients. And I've tried a lot of different things. I've talked to a lot of thousands of women and, you know, and I continue to study it just like anything in medicine, we continue to study. And I feel like libido for women still, still to this day is this very mysterious, complex symptom in women that I every day learn something new about. I know, right? And you talked about like your training and I've I've listened to some of your podcasts and, and uh, got on your website and you and I are similar and we have very similar training. We're both uh, board certified in OBGYN. And I heard you speak like uh, when you were doing traditional OBGYN, you really didn't have anything in your toolbox. I think you mentioned like you had one prescription prescription estra test. And, and and same thing for me. I'm like, that was the only thing I had, which I look back now, I'm like, that wasn't really that healthy to give to people. So I had that. And then I used to tell people, well, go on dates with your husband. And other than that, I was like, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I just uh, released a book yesterday. I published a book. It's a small book, but it goes through and tells the story of of that uh, particular patient where I prescribed estra test. And I always had this moral dilemma of like, okay, I was taught not to give testosterone to women. Okay. I know testosterone and estrogen are not great for a woman's liver. And so, you know, I, I, but that's all again, like you said, we had in our toolbox and she, she fit the bill. She was menopausal and a little libido. I'm like, okay. And it's really interesting too, because I always would go through like, okay, is it stress? Okay. De-stress. Is it your relationship? No, it's great. Okay. Like I checked off all the boxes of other things I could either, either give a pill to or recommend a therapist or a counselor for. Yeah. And, you know, when that patient, and I have to be honest, back in the day as a gynecologist, because we didn't have a rich tool kit of, of resources for them or, or pills, right? That's how we're educated. I, I sunk in my chair every time a woman would say, doc, I in, in exclusively come in for a low libido. I was like, oh God, <laughs> what now? Yeah. You're like, oh, I hate seeing this on my schedule. Oh, I did. And so, you know, and, and it, truthfully, I, I, number one, would not ask because I never wanted to bring it up. 
because again, we, our toolbox was just empty and, uh, I would probably see it once a month. Women just didn't bring it up. They brought up everything else, or they just didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And so, like you said, you know, that one prescription, if she fit the bill and she was menopausal, I could try it, but I always like worried about her for the three months until follow-up. And then what happens when she comes in and it doesn't work, right? Like we sent them out the door because she checked all the other boxes that were fine. Now what? So I find, you know, this is where docs are having a hard time nowadays. And I can totally resonate with them because this was me. I, I was trying, I was always very kind to them, but a lot of times they would walk out my door if they, if I couldn't give them a prescription for something or tell them, you know, maybe you should have to change your diet or maybe you have to de-stress. Like we didn't have time to, to explain to them how. Oh no. Right. Yeah. You had to be in and out of the room in less than 10 minutes for sure. Exactly. And sometimes it was five minutes, you know, so how do you really give quality care and education? And I have to be honest before my functional medicine uh, training uh, and a lot of training I've done on my own, I really didn't have a whole lot of education and nutrition. I always laugh. I'm like, I think it was like 45 minutes in medical school and that's about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so not only do we not have the education in it as a, comp- and I think it's changed. I mean, I went to school what, 20 years ago, but you know, I think it's, I hope it's changed at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, even if I had the education, truth be told, we don't have the time, you know? And so I'm always in defense of my conventional doc peers, you know, to say when doc, when patients or clients come to me and they say, you know, my doc just told me to de-stress or, or change my diet. And I say, well, really, they don't, they don't have the time to, to talk to you about it. Like that's, you know, fortunately I do now in, in my online practice, but, um, so it was really hard when we were in that stage of our life as a conventional gynecologist to really make an impact on all the women that needed help with their libido. And I, I can't say that that hormone would never work for anybody, but I would say the majority of women it didn't work for. And the other thing I have to say that I was really conditioned to think, at least in my prior career as a gynecologist, is that, you know, women are little men. It's got to be a testosterone issue, right? Like that's, that's kind of how I was thinking like, gosh, if testosterone works for men, shouldn't it work for women? And here I am educated OBGYN. Like we are much more complex than that. (laughs) I should know better. But again, I was, we were always conditioned to just like, okay, where's the diagnosis? Pop you in that box and give you a pill and out you go. And Yeah, because you can write a prescription in 30 seconds and they can be on their way in in five minutes. Yeah, and you know, we and here we are, we're, we're doing no harm and we're trying to do exactly what, we're trying to take care of our patients and, and over, help them overcome their symptoms. And, you know, so I really ran from that subject for over 15 years in the conventional yeah. world just because I didn't, I didn't have the resources that I really felt were necessary, nor the time. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember in residency or training ever really learning about what do I do when somebody has low libido? I, I can't even, again, it's been 25 plus years, but I don't really remember any training talking about libido. No, but you know the sad part? Let's think about this. Like we're like women, it's just not addressed in women. Right. It's like one of those taboo topics that we just kind of, you know, even in, in our training, that's kind of like pushed under the carpet and we don't have a good treatment for it. So let's not talk about it. And it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> right. And so that's why I'm talking about it now. So anyway, so you and I, we both did traditional OBGYN and we did that for a while. How long did you do that? 
traditional OBGYN? Uh, I guess over 15 years. So yeah. I was, yeah, I trained in, I, I have to look back the years, let's see, 99 through 20. I left conventional gynecology in 2014. So usually everybody that I know in functional medicine usually has a story of how they got there. What What's your story of how you went from delivering babies, knocking out STDs, writing prescriptions to being a functional medicine um, OBGYN and libidoologist? Yeah, this, you know, my entire journey has been so like, it, it was so unexpected. Um, and like you said, many of us get into this because of our own personal struggles with our health. And I was, I was exactly the same. Um, I had trained out in uh, Connecticut in a suburb of New York City, and I settled down there early in my career with my husband. And then we went and had kids. <laughs> I had twins. And I, you know, it was just a crazy life between him, my husband being a hospitalist. So it's he's internal medicine in the hospital. I'm a full time gynecologist, obstetrician, delivering the babies, all the things, and then trying to navigate pretty much the city with babies waiting at home for us. So it just got a little crazy. And we both decided we wanted a, a calmer life, a uh, better quality of life as far as where we lived. So we decided to move to the country and relocate to central New York, which is near where I grew up. And of course, what do I do when I go to the country as I get the horse that I wanted since I was seven years old. So my dad was a dairy <laughs> farmer. Yeah. And, and I always wanted a horse and he's like, no, I don't like horses. And I said, dad, at the age of seven, dad, someday I'll show you, I'm going to get my horse. Well, at 39, I got that horse. Well, good for you. Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good and bad because, you know, and I'm also an animal lover. So of course I don't go get the one that's, you know, really tame and like for new riders, I go get the off the track thoroughbred who needs a home, you know, the one who used to be a racehorse. So, uh, that horse I fell off of oh. shortly after getting him and I broke my back. Ow. Yeah. And I always say that's where my story begins because up until then I thought I was living the, you know, dream life, the textbook life of what I had over always, uh, envisioned while, you know, going into medicine and having my kids, this like grow old as a gynecologist, retire, live out my days and, and, you know, spend some time in retirement with my kiddos and their kids. So, yeah, so that's really when my health struggles began because I mean, there were a lot of ups and downs over the six months post recovery in that, you know, I was given an un, um, unrealistic prognosis. I was told that I was going to be up back to work doing all the things back on my horse in six weeks. And I was not. And, you know, as a perfectionist overachiever, you know, if, if I don't get, reach a goal in that six weeks, I'm a failure. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And so that was my first strike against me. I was like, okay, why am I not doing this? And come, you know, six months later, I finally had a procedure on my back whereby I got off narcotics and at least could go back to work, but limited scope of practice. I was no longer delivering babies or operating. And I don't know about you, but as a gynecologist, I, I just loved the, the array of different activities. I'd love a little yeah. bit of time in the delivery room, a little bit of time in the OR, a little bit of time in the, in the office. So like, it was just the best of all worlds. Yeah. So when I had two out of those three taken away from me and I was, I always say trapped in the clinic doing pap smears all day, it just was not 
lighting me up. Like I'd get out of bed in the morning, literally have to drag myself out because I didn't feel like I had my life purpose anymore. I feel like I wasn't changing. I wasn't, wasn't bringing life into the world. I wasn't taking a uterus out and helping a woman's bleeding. Like I just wasn't doing it anymore. And so that's really where my personal struggle started coming with mentally of like, okay, I'm not contributing to this world. I, I can't get out of bed in the morning. And then I started to look at other physical symptoms, such as inability to get physically out of bed. I was exhausted. Um, I pretty much dragged throughout the whole day, lived on coffee, sugar, salt, uh, really, you know, was, I would literally come home from work. At this point, my kids were six, seven years of age. And I was like, oh, mommy's tired. She got to lay down. I would literally go try to get something from the fridge to eat. You know, I see salad in there. I close the door, turn around, go to the uh, cabinet, get some, a bag of chips, plop on the couch. And that's where I'd sit for the rest of the day. So talk about, you know, I lost all confidence, self-esteem, weight gain was coming on rapidly, no libido because I just felt awful about myself. Oh, yeah. And I felt, I really felt like, uh, you know, a, a, a terrible mom and, and wife because I could barely muster up the energy to make dinner. And so one, one night it was probably, um, God. and your kids were, they were little. Yeah, they were little. They were at this point, you know, like what, six and five, six years of age. And, um, yeah, I, I just felt awful and they were active, you know, obviously. But so I remember one night laying in bed with my husband and I said, I just, I can't go on living like this. And, you know, when those words came out of my mouth, when I actually thought about no longer living, you know, my kids no longer having a mom, I knew that I needed help. So, you know, and of course we're, we're, we're trained. Like I'm already trying to shove myself in a box and I'm like, okay, the only thing that could potentially fit here is depression. Mm -hmm. So I made an appointment with my doc and of course went in and she's like, you know, Renee, your, your life completely changed. you you know, it looks completely different and you never anticipated this. And I said, I know, I know. And she's like, I think you have depression. I'm like, so I knew you were going to say gynecologist. No, I saw my primary care doctor. Okay. And uh, who had been following my journey, you know, she had taken care of me right from the get go after my injury and coordinated all the physical therapy, you know, I, I mean, I had a wheel, I had a walker, I had a shower chair, I was like, three times a week in the physical therapy office, all the things. And so she had, she was pretty high touch uh, for many months there and, you know, sort of released me for a little bit on all the, all the pain meds that I was on. And, um, you know, when I went back and she said that, I was like, you know, I thought the same thing, but it's just, I don't feel like this is what depression should feel like. I just don't feel, I don't feel sad. Like, yes, I'm upset that my life has changed. I don't feel like I have life purpose, but I just envisioned depression feeling differently. But I was like, you know what? I want to feel better. Just give me the dang antidepressant. <laughs> just give it to me now. Let me just go home and feel better. Mm -hmm. And fast forward six months after two antidepressants and neither work to alleviate the symptoms I was having. And I had all of the side effects. I am very sensitive to, to prescription medications. Um, I did it make your libido worse? Oh, or? gosh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, weight gain, libido, energy was I was tired, even more tired. Like I just, you know, I just, I it did not help at all. And, I, and that's when I was like, Okay, so if it's not depression, what else could it be? And again, I don't know about you, but I had no idea about this functional medicine world. I didn't even know oh, that. I thought it was voodoo, a marketing mm -hmm. scheme, like, yeah. Yeah. So like for me, for it to be anything other than depression, and of course, at this point, when I go back to my doc, I mean, I love her to death and I, I don't Dr. Bash at all, but you know, she was like, Renee, I don't know what else to do for you. And so essentially you're going to have to live with the way you're feeling. And I had already determined I couldn't do that. 
So ironically, right around this same time, and I do believe that, you know, the universe works in, in miraculous ways to put things in our life if we're aware enough to notice them. I actually was put in contact with a functional medicine doc. And I have to be honest, the night she arranged a phone call, it was late. It was like nine o'clock at night. I didn't even know what a functional medicine doc was. Like I had no idea. And I was so unmotivated to do anything. I didn't even look it up. I'm just like, let's hop on the phone. And so uh, quite honestly, at this point in my life, I was selling anti-aging skincare and she was an anti-aging doc. So my friend's like, hey, I have an anti-aging doc. Why don't you talk to her? So it was not even put in my world to help me. She was put in my world as a sale. So uh, it was really interesting. So I get on the phone and within like a minute or two, she's like, oh, I have my own skincare line, but let's talk about you. So she delved into some of my symptoms. And I, I have to say within five minutes, she's like, you know, Renee, I think you have this condition. It's a coin term, but it fits it beautifully. I think it's, you have adrenal fatigue. And I, of course, had my computer on my lap in my bed and I'm Googling it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is me. This is exactly how I feel. And so what did you think as a traditionally trained OBGYN? Like, did you have any, like, I've heard this before, you know, no, you know or what? were you just open? Like, I was open, you know, I, back in the day, I would have women coming up from New York city. Cause we're about three and a half hours from the city on these quote unquote bioidentical hormones. And they're these bias cream. I'm like, I don't know what this is. But I respect the doc that's prescribing it, knows what she's doing. I'll just do your exam. You'll have to go back to her. So I didn't know how to do this hormone checking. I didn't know any of that back in the day, but it was a little bit on my radar, but not enough to say like it's voodoo or anything. I did. I really okay. didn't know that much. I really, seriously, I had blinders on. Like I do my job. I come home. I take care of my kids. I get, get through the days, <laughs> get through life. And so, you know, when she said that and I looked it up, I, I honestly, I think I was just so number one validated that the symptoms weren't in my head. Cause that's what I was starting to think. I started to think I was going crazy. And I think I was so relieved that here are my symptoms on, on the screen. I don't care what it's called. Just tell me I can feel better. And she did. She was like, you know, obviously it, you know, you don't need prescription medications. We have to do the testing to confirm, but it'll be this, 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 it won't be overnight quote unquote fix, but you will feel better. And I'm telling you like, she gave me my life back that night. And so really on the heels of that was kind of funny. So in a nutshell, like, cause people don't even probably know, like, what is a, we don't use that term anymore, but, or sometimes I do because people know it, or there's books that are titled it. Um, but like, I, I know the conferences you and I both go to for functional medicine, like, okay, we don't use that term anymore, but patients use that term. But in a nutshell, how did, how did she treat your adrenal issues? I have to be honest, it was a lot of, I mean, there was strategic supplementation, you know, some of the things that get me up and go like a, you know, a B complex and some adrenal gland adaptogens and, um, and a lot of lifestyles, you know, it was a lot of like TLC in the beginning of like trying to change my nutrition and stop eating those chips and stop drinking a pot of coffee a day and start cutting down on the sugar. And I have to say by doing these little, like obviously getting quality sleep and getting into bed before 10 o'clock, which is when I would get my second wind. And, you know, little by little, I would say May of 20. So I started this in January, 2014, May of 2014. I literally woke up one morning and said, oh my gosh, I woke up without my alarm. I feel pretty good. And I feel like I need to start moving my body because it hit me that no doctor was going to get me like you know, help me lose weight and just feel stronger and all the things I wanted to feel as a woman, I had to do it. She wasn't going to give me a, a magic supplement even for that. Like I had to do that part. Yeah, she didn't just write a prescription and you felt better next week. 
No. So this was literally five months before. So I, I mean, I guess the message out there, if a woman feels like she has, and I kind of use the word burnout for a lot of people, because I do feel like, um, the symptoms are very similar. And I think it's what more people can relate to as far as how they feel. And the treatment is pretty much the same. And so it was a solid five months before I literally wanted to open my eyes before the sun came up and it wanted to move my body. Like I was walking and such, but I, I, that day started home workouts and my life has never been the same since. Like it just trickled down even into my family, my husband and, you know, so, um, it's, it, in it, I would say it was a solid year, year and a half before I really felt back to myself and actually felt even better than I had prior. That's awesome. And then that just, I assume, just opened your journey to, if I help me, I need to help all these other women. Well, ironically, that night, this woman had never met me. And within, like, we were on the phone maybe 20 minutes, half hour max. She offered me a job. <laughs> She's, she, yeah, she was like, hey, you know, because she knew that I was, uh, I, I really didn't feel like I was fulfilled with my current career uh, in conventional medicine. And I think knowing that here I was failed by the conventional system, and I don't say that, I just say that because I had tried everything and I was going to walk out of an office and have to live with my symptoms. And so my doc didn't have that magic pill in her toolbox to, to quote unquote fix me. And so I do consider myself a fail, a failure when it comes to conventional medicine. And, you know, when I started thinking outside the box and started really taking lifestyle changes, um, to the max. And, and, you know, everything I did was nothing a doctor had to do for me. You know, I mean, she, obviously the testing and she guided me on my journey, but it's stuff I, I could do at home. So, uh, I would say it was a solid year and a half, uh, before I really got my life back. But she, that night was like, you want to join me in practice? And I was like, uh, what do you do? So I'm like, before I, I this, this huge long pause, I'm like Googling as quickly as I can functional medicine doctor. And, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my next calling. This is exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and you know, my, and I honestly said yes that night, like I was like, yep, I'm going to go through this A4M. I'm going to do this fellowship. And the funniest part is my husband had gone in to take a shower when I got on the phone with her and he came out, uh, as I was getting off the phone with her, I'm like, honey, great news. I don't have depression. I have this thing called adrenal fatigue. And I said, and guess what? I'm leaving the hospital. I'm going to go join this woman in practice. And I'm going back and doing a fellowship in functional medicine. <laughs> he was like, yeah, that was a long shower. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a long shower. That, I know he had to shave. He had to do all his, all his man stuff in there. But um, yeah, he was like, uh, that all happened while I was in the shower. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, so that was the time in my life that I realized I just kind of jump ship. Like I just knew that this was the next right thing for me to do in my career and for my health. And I knew if I was struggling for this with all these symptoms, and I always say I felt helpless and hopeless. Like my own, my, my colleagues were turning, I felt like they were turning their backs on me. I'm being a little dramatic when I say that, but that is really how I felt when you're so far down, you know, I was rock bottom. You feel like everyone, no one wants to help you and you know, you have no hope. And I was just thinking like, if I didn't know this, how many women are out there struggling with the same symptoms I had and not knowing what to do about it and being told exactly the same thing I was told. So, you know, it was a no brainer for me to, regardless of what training I had to do or whatever, that this was the career change that I, I needed to make for my, myself and my fulfillment in my 
my future career in women's health. So, and the rest is history. You know, I did join, I did exactly that. I went back, I did the fellowship. I, I think December that year I took my written, I think the May the following year I took my oral exam and, uh, I was in her office before I was even birth certified. I was practicing in September of that year. Um, so, and I, I never regret it to this day ever. So whenever I talk to somebody that's, again, that's pretty much, I have a very similar journey and, uh, I have another colleague who recently just left OBGYN and is going back and doing the fellowship. And did you always ask yourself, like, why didn't I ever learn this? Like, why didn't anybody teach me any of this as an OBGYN? I felt, I just felt cheated when I was going through it. Absolutely agree. I agree. And, you know, I think you can resonate with this when we, when we, now I just absolutely love that, you know, the, the cholesterol going into cortisol, like the whole, um, all the enzymes, like all the things that we had to learn for our board exams and OBGYN that we had to memorize. It just makes sense now, but why didn't anyone tell me it all comes from cholesterol and that, you know, stress can affect our pregnenolone and our progesterone and our testosterone. Like it was all there in front of us. It just, we were not, it was just like, memorize this. This is how your hormones go and regurgitate it on your yearly in-service exam, you know, kind of thing. And so I mean, I feel like that is like, that was something right underneath our noses. And I'm like, why didn't I ask questions? Like, you know, I didn't care about cortisol. I didn't care about anything but the female hormones. So I agree. I totally, I, and you know, the interesting thing is it was all in the books. It was just glossed over because we had to memorize the pharmacology and the mechanism of actions of all the drugs and all the things. Um, and it's of course, you know, going into residency, I mean, we had to operate and deliver the babies too. So there was really no looking outside the box as far as really trying to figure out why things happen, you know, why we have the symptoms we have. Yeah. It's like we learned it in basic science when we're doing the textbook stuff. But then when we got to treating patients, we forgot all of the basic science as a regular OBGYN. Absolutely agree. Yep. So anyway, so you become a functional functional medicine doctor, but how does that translate into a libidoologist? Yeah, good question. Well, uh, I actually left uh, a brick and mortar in 2018 where I live. The practice was in existence for almost four years. And, you know, it, it just, it was a slow go. A lot of, there was a lot of educating in my area on, on what functional medicine was and, you know, fee for service, meaning you actually have to pay when you see me. And it, so by the time I got the ball rolling and, you know, I had 350 patients of my own. I had entire families, um, you know, husbands, wives, older children. We had to close the practice for financial reasons. And I physically, one man show here could not make up, unfortunately, um, the financial loss in the first year and a half of growth. So, you know, and I was doing everything. I was doing the 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 free talks, everything to try to raise awareness in my area, but, um, and they were very well attended. It was just, again, it's, it was a learning curve and it was kind of one of those social proof kind of things. Like I'd get the wife to come and then the husband would come and then the 20 year old kid would come because once the wife saw improvements with what I was doing with her, the whole family wanted to come and then they'd tell their friends. So it, you know, and again, it's a slow grow. So we did have to unfortunately close the practice in March of 18. And I, waffled for about a year trying to figure out how to do this doctor thing online. You know, I, I still, I did walk, almost walk away from medicine completely. Cause I, I just felt, I got, I bought every book to try to figure out what to do next. And 
I didn't want to be an expert witness and I didn't want to work for a drug company and I didn't want to do all these things that are in the books. So of fast forward to August of 2019, I found someone doing exactly what I wanted to do online. I contacted her and she's like, do this, 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 this. And before you know, it, I had an online business with, uh, helping women with online health consulting. So, and I was the jack of all trades, you know, again, and in medicine, I think, you know, we're always trained never to leave a woman behind. You can help with everything right within, within the realm of women's health. And, you know, of course, with our further training in functional medicine, we, we did dabble in gut health and all, you know, to help with our hormones and all of the, all of the things, but the pandemic hit. And number one, I was fortunate that I was on in the online space prior to the pandemic, but number two, everything got really loud in the online space. And I found I was just one of the many voices talking about the immune system and talking about the gut. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know. I, I like to stand out. I don't like to be one of many. I want to be end of one. <laughs> and so I had to sort of sit back at the um, end of 2020 and, and sort of reflect on like, where do women really need me? Where are we not? What are we not addressing? Where do women need my help? And low libido came into my mind. Now, with that being said, I had this gut wrenching, like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I can't. It's too hard, right? It's too complex. I can't get out there with one message, one, one thing. And this nagging feeling just kept coming back to me, like, you know, this little voice saying, women need you, women need you, women need to start you to start talking about this. I know it's scary. I know it takes a lot of research. I know you're constantly going to be learning, but women need you. And so one fateful day again, shortly after that, I just woke up and said, I, I'm doing it. I'm stepping into the unknown world of low libido and women, and we're going to figure this out for them. And again, I call, I, I trademarked the libidoologist and I just put my blinders on and went to work as far as working with women uh, on low libido. So that was gosh, September of 2020 that I exclusively started to talk about it. And, you know, ironically, and, and again, we have backgrounds in functional medicine, it's, it's just another symptom, right? right? Like we, so for me, I still get the luxury of talking about all the things I still love to talk about because they all, they all fit together. They all fit together. Right. So like, it's pretty rare that somebody comes in and their only symptom is low libido. It's not like, I feel great. I am at my ideal body weight. I sleep good. My weight's good. But the only thing is low libido. I, I don't remember ever seeing a patient that fits that bill. Nope. Nope. And you know, and, and, and I mean, I talk to the women, it's not so sexy to talk about some of the other things like mindset and stress and relationship, but it's really, a lot of times women will be like, yeah, I, my stress is great. My relationships is great. They're, she's checking all the boxes. My hormones seem great. My periods are regular. I have no, and it comes down to some other things that we as docs were never talk, taught to talk about, which is mindset. Like, how does she feel about herself? How does she feel about her body? You know, which for women I have found in studying them is huge, huge. And sometimes the underlying root cause of it all. Right. So you don't have one prescription that you're writing when no. people come in for low libido? No. And you know, like, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And you know, I tried, we've, we've tried that in the past, right? And it didn't work. So I think- Yeah. Have you heard of the new drug Addy? Yeah, I have. Yes. Yep. Yes. And so it's interesting. Were, were, because... were you still prescribing when that was around? No, or... nope, nope. Yeah. So- yep. You know, I, you know, before we got online, you and I talked about some of the regulations of doing functional medicine and, and which is a whole other, other topic. And so, 
um, you know, I do sometimes, not sometimes, I feel obligated of here's the FDA approved way to do it. So it is something I mentioned because it, what's nice is at least it's opening up the conversation about libido with Addie. Um, and so we finally have a FDA approved drug for decreased libido for women. But my experience has been just meh. That's what I'm I'm seeing. I don't prescribe it, but I, again, I'm very vocal online and I have a lot of women responding that they tried it and it, you know, here, I mean, they're going through the hoops, right? They're, they go to their doc and now we have a pill, but it doesn't work. So now what? Yeah. And, and it's not cheap. It's not cheap either. So it might be quote covered, but it's still usually a, a significant out-of-pocket expense. Yeah. And I don't even know the mecha- mechanism of action of what's really trying yeah. to do. But- I don't think they do. But anyway, before we get into that, why is libido important other than it's something like we're supposed to do? Like, obviously, it makes my husband happy. I don't, you know, I don't have to fight with him. I feel guilty. But, you know, I I heard you talk about like, it's not just about having sex, but, you know, having a good, good sex life has a lot of other health benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so before we, I just want to say, you know, the definition of libido is, you know, sexual desire. But when I come, how I approach libido is one's desire for connection and intimacy, because I feel like we need to intervene. I have so many friends that deal with what happens in the bedroom. Most of the women I work with, they don't even want to go near the bedroom. They don't want you to touch them. They want nothing to do with it. So I'm like, oh, we got like, I have to take care of all those women (laughs) because we're not paying attention to those women. And, you know, what's happening is, again, I've, you know, the statistics of of low sexual desire anywhere from like, I don't know, 38 percent, like up to upwards of 68 percent, something like that. It's like it's a wide range because just women aren't talking about it because number one, like, you know, we're told it's normal. I feel like it's becoming this like um, rite of passage as we age, like, oh, you have to go through it. No, we don't. Like it's this normalized thing out there that I feel like for men, it just is so unacceptable. Like men would be like, no, it's not. And for women, we're like, okay, I have to have a low libido. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm sure you can resonate with this as far as what you see in your patients. Like, women come in with so many other things like low energy and stress, high stress levels and heavy periods. Like they're not even thinking of their low libido because they have all these other things on their to-do list as far as addressing in their health before they even, you know, address the low libido. And quite frankly, they, they just don't feel like, you know, yeah, I had my kids, I'm done. Right. And I don't need that function anymore. I used to hear this a lot as a gynecologist, just take out my uterus and my ovaries. I don't need them anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, quite honestly, like not only are we that connection, I don't ever want a woman to do it just for her partner. You know, I want her to do it for her. And it's, and I do see relationships getting disrupted because of the, sometimes it's a communication issue. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a, it's a boundaries issue. You know, it's an expectation stereotypical you know, mindset, like I, I don't feel worthy. I'm not enough. So I have to keep proving myself. So she runs herself ragged by the end of the day. So she's exhausted, but little does she know that if we could muster up a little energy for her to want to be intimate, it's actually going to help her stress. <laughs> it's one of the biggest stress <laughs> reducers. And so, you know, and in, in turn with reducing, you know, reducing stress, it helps with other things like heart health and your you know, so it prevents heart attacks and risk of stroke. And it gives you a natural boost in, uh, hormones, uh, estrogen, testosterone, um, it proves your confidence. It helps with your brain health. So like 
there are so many other benefits to intimacy, connection, sex that we don't ever talk about. And there's a lot of other, another thing I deal with, with a lot of women is the conditioning. You know, they're kind of brought up uh, in religious households to be taught that, you know, you only have sex mm. to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it's even orgasm. Like, you know, I just did a whole podcast myself on self-pleasure because I do feel like those are two taboo topics of like, you don't do that. If you do it, it's dirty. Yeah. And, you know, especially in my, in my age range and maybe. Yeah. I think it's different for maybe 20 year olds and, and that generation, but I think you're about the same age as, as me. I'm 52. Or is that where you are? Huh, okay. But same thing. My parents were Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. I think if, if I wasn't a gynecologist, God only knows what my mindset would be because, you know, we had the, you don't talk about sex. You don't, you don't have sex before you're married. And so like, I also had to deal with that whole, I'm a slut. Like I, I am not a good Catholic girl. Like I sinned. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we sound one of the same, like our, our lives are so parallel because I, I, same, same thing, Catholic school raised. I, and I was just saying, I don't know when I ever learned about sex, maybe a health class in ninth grade. And I was just like, what is that? I remember I didn't even know I was going to get a period. Like, this is the thing. Like my mom had to tell me, you know, like, oh, it looks like your panties. Like I was like, I hear I am like, what is that stuff coming out of me? You know, like I, it's kind of shocking when you don't talk about it in a family because, you know, I mean, here I was a little girl, not really knowing what's going on with my body, which, you know, kind of made me a different mom. Obviously now I'm a gynecologist and I love to talk about periods and and sex and vaginas and all the things, but um, my, my poor kids, they definitely have a different upbringing than I did. I know. Right. Versus I have, now I have a coffee cup that literally says like more orgasms, please. <laughs> like, and my friends are like, do you really use this coffee cup at home? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my kids do They're like, Oh mom, your book, you know, talk about libido. Actually. They, they, they know, like, I just, um, yeah. Like I feel like, you know, when you know better, you do better. So like, I know better now, like how I, and my mom, again, it, it was, it was a cultural thing, you know, it was religious, like this is how she was raised. So she was only doing what she knew. And, um, and obviously I was in a Catholic school. We didn't talk about those things, but fortunately I went to the public school in ninth grade and my eyes were opened <laughs> to something. I was a little shocked quite frankly, but, um, yeah. So this, you know, a lot of women, it's, it's unconditioning, even in the ages, you know, thirties, forties of some of the things that they've been raised and they haven't deconditioned to think about orgasm and sex. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I have to start working with them as far as, and that kind of comes down again to their mindset of what they think about it. Um, so I know you're, you're not a psychologist that I know of, but how do you, or do you refer people to psychologists or do you work with them if they have that mindset of, I can't talk to my husband about this. I can't tell him what I want. I can't, like, that's embarrassing. Like, I can't do that. How do you I start, yeah, escape? I start working with them. How do you just make that jump to be comfortable with it? Like, and- I could say I even struggle with this and this is what I do for a living. But in my own relationship, like it's still a little like, look, I want you to do this. Like this is what I want, how much I want it, like when. Yeah, we have to understand men love that. 
you know, and my husband's been great. He's always given me a lot of feedback with what men, because th- we don't think like them, right? They are very visual. So like they don't want the lights to go off when they're having sex. Like they want the lights on. So if a woman doesn't feel comfortable in her body, doesn't want to be seen naked, that's one reason she's not going to want to go in the bedroom. But number two, he wants to please you. You know, one of the biggest things recently, I had a woman at a party come up to me and we're talking about it. And she's like, yeah, my husband wants to have sex twice a day. And I'd love to, but I just don't have an orgasm. Maybe 10% of the time I do. I'm like, oh my God, what? (laughs) And you know, sometimes I'm sure she's not the only one out there. A lot of women don't feel worthy. They don't want to take the time. It takes them too long. Not only that, they don't know how to orgasm. Like there's so many women that it's not vaginal penetration, it's clitoral stimulation. So a lot, you know, I do encourage women like, you know, self-pleasure, masturbate, you know, like figure out for yourself what feels good so you can help him. You know, when there's no time on the clock of like, okay, we have to do this. And so, so, you know, this amount of time, And I find like with her self-exploration and figuring out what works for her and then telling him, I'm telling you, men love to, it's not even, and actually this one woman, she was like, yep, she she messaged me the next day. She's like, oh my God, it was awesome. And now I want it every day because they made a pack that she comes first. So he can't until she does. So it was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. She's like, he loved it. He loved that I was talking about it. He loved that I really wanted to do something about it because I wanted to be you know, active with him more often, or at least want to want to show up to the act and not just be, uh, you know, a participant. He's going to be a willing participant. And, you know, she, I, I even see this with women um, and toys because they feel like it's going to, he's going to have an issue if they bring toys into the bedroom, yeah, but she really like wants to competition play. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think there's a lot of times in with a low libido, and speaking with women in long-term relationships, you know, you don't have that surge of oxytocin, like, you know, that little, um, what they call it, like when you first start dating, you know, I was actually just talking to my 14 year old son about this yesterday, cause he's dating a girl. I'm like, Oh, oxytocin. You don't want to eat. Like you just chronically feel like euphoric and that kind of does die off. And a lot of times in relationships, you just have to, you know, you want to keep it interesting. You want to keep it fun, trying different things. And sometimes introducing toys, And again, it's not about taking away from him. It can be an accessory, like it can be part of the fun. And, you know, I have a lot of colleagues that, you know, they have their toys and he has his things and there are things for men out there and, you know, they do their thing and then they come to get like together and visually stimulate each other. And then they come together. Like, again, some couples just take it to the next level of, of really keeping it interesting in the bedroom. And sometimes that is a part of a low libido too. It's just, it's boring, you know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. He does this. I do this. We do this. Then we're done. Like, and that, yeah. 20 years later, like you, you got to change it up. <laughs> you got to change it up. And I do think it is hard. I don't really have any, like, uh, aside from just knowing that men love, and it, it, and again, I think it's how you speak to him. It's not in this derogatory, like do this, you know, like you don't do this good enough. It's just like, you know, like maybe redirect during sex, like how about here? Try here, you know, like, or, or just having a conversation. If you want to start introducing toys, like, Hey honey, you know, I thought we could try this. I, you know, I love our sex, but maybe this, like we could try this and see what comes of it. Like not, not having any expectations as far as what it's going, what's the outcome's going to be just having fun with it. And I, I don't know if I've ever had anyone come back to me and say like he was insulted. I just think it's our perception that their ego is going to get you know, shoved to the side if, if we start introducing things into the bedroom. And again, men are visual, men love 
They love help. They love to know what, you know, that they love to know that we're interested. You know, I think that's the biggest takeaway when women seem completely disinterested and don't want to improve their, their intimacy in the bedroom, you know, it's a turnoff for men as well. It's just when we start becoming more interested of what we can do to spark things in the bedroom and beyond, um, is really when they start taking, taking note, they perk up and they're like, okay, let's do that. Let's, let's have some fun. So I just think, you know, communication is key. And I always say communication inside and outside the bedroom because there's a lot of women out there. I talk to on a daily basis that are really resentful mm-hmm. because of that stereotypical woman role, woman's role in the household of like doing it all. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're especially when the kids were home from school, they're, you know, homeschooling the kids and they're trying to work a business and trying to keep the house clean and trying to grocery shop and do all the things. And then hubby walks in the door and plops on the couch on his phone. And, you know, it's, it's without that communication of like where he can help, or if you look like you have it all together, he's just going to sit on the couch on his phone because he's tired too. So I think it's, you know, a lot of women I've helped improve their communication, which further helps improve their libido. Um, because she feels heard, she feels appreciated, she feels helped, which starts working on her stress level. And, you know, that just slowly trickles into her desire to connect with him again and be intimate. I could probably speak for a lot of women is my husband would probably have sex like whenever, okay, let's have sex now. Okay. Versus if we're not in a fight or if, but if I'm irritated with him, maybe we just got over a little argument. Like, then let's have sex. Like, no, that doesn't work for me. Like, I'm still not happy with you. Like, or I'm not happy that this happened. Um, Like, I, I personally don't do makeup sex because I'm still kind of mad. So you're right. Like, I think, you know, working things out from the day you, from the minute you wake up, if you wanted to have sex that night, like is, is really important. Mm-hmm. I think as women, we downplay our emotions a lot. Like we're like, okay, just give me the hormone to make it better. I'm like, no, no, no. We're much more, we're a lot in our head. Like I can give you all the hormones in the world. And this is why I've come to this realization after all these years is like, I've, tr- you know, and I'm not saying I love, I do love hormones. I love all of them. <laughs> I love even testosterone in women. Cause I do think it has benefits, but I don't think it's the it's the end all be all for women and libido. I do think a lot of times if we can start with the basics, like how she feels about herself, how she thinks about herself, her roles in the household, her ability to already feel like she's worthy enough and enough to get what she wants in and out of the bedroom, as well as communication with her partner. It's, it's, it works. And again, hormones are just the icing on the cake. Like we got to start with the basics and really just don't think that we're men. Like we're not that simple ladies. Like I'm not, I'm not, not to be like, not to frustrate you to say, oh my gosh, it's going to take so much, but we're a lot more complex. We have two hormones that fluctuate, you know, on a 28 day cycle, not one that fluctuates in a 24 hour cycle. (laughs) So like, we just have to be, have respect of, out of our, you know, for our biology and our, our brain anatomy and our physiology that we're just different. And we just, when we embrace that and recognize that is when we start really improving our libido. So I love that you said that about hormones and I love that you're pro hormones and in my practice, we do a lot of hormones, but sometimes, and, and for a, a subset of patients, like, you know, I love the patient that's do, you know, doing it right on all cylinders. So maybe if somebody like yourself came in and you're already eating right, managing stress, sleeping, exercise, they go through, you know, when their hormones decline and we give them hormones back, like that's the perfect candidate for hormones. Like it's like, it's, it's, it's almost magic, but it's not for everybody. And sometimes women come in and 
they're not doing all of those lifestyle things. So you know that there's some underlying other issues. And they think that me or my other practitioners replacing hormones or and testosterone is going to make them Wonder Woman and, you know, a diva in the bedroom, and it's just going to change everything. And I, again, I love hormones, just like you said, it has all a lot of health benefits, but it's not the end all be all. And sometimes I'll see these women, I want to up my dose, I want to up my dose, I want to up my dose. And that's not always the answer, because then you start getting side effects and unwanted hair and all the all the negatives with too much testosterone. And at least for me locally is that's when hormones or bioidentical hormones start getting a bad rap. Um, so it, I, I love that you commented on that is it's not the end all be all. No. And I do think, like you said, for the woman doing it all is just, that's all she needs to sort of put the icing on the cake. Like she's doing it all already. Like, let's just put her over the top. Right. So I do think that that's, that's what's needed. But a lot of women, come used to come into me in the in the office is like that's 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 where they want to start i'm like no no you know and once you give and again I, i'm never for depriving hormones but once you start giving the hormones like you said they want higher doses they want more especially like thyroid and such right um because they feel so good they want more and they're not they're the motivation to figure out like the deeper underlying like can we get you off of this or can we lower the dose or you know your progesterone can we can we look at your nutrition and your gut bacteria and your exposure to toxins to try to reduce the potential of estrogen dominance from external sources? So maybe we can lower your progesterone, like not have you on such a walloping dose that you might be getting side effects from. So like, you know, I do think that sometimes for certain women uh, that, you know, yes, they want the more holistic approach. They want the bioidentical hormones, but, you know, it does take a little extra work and a special woman to say, okay, like I feel great, but I really want to you know, figure out why I needed X, Y, or Z, or why I need this hormone, or if I can lower up the dose. Um, and I do think women are out there. There are a lot of women out there, but I have to say, you know, I feel like it's the men more than the women. I used to see men in my, my brick and mortar also. And, uh, once I got them on testosterone, they're like, okay, I don't care why it was low. I just feel so much better now. Okay. Let's keep going. You know, let's just keep on this testosterone. So I actually had this conversation recently, with one of my colleagues and said, you know, I never had the men that wanted to figure out the why, you know, sometimes I'd have a few women that would kind of backpedal and figure out the why behind their symptoms and their hormone imbalance. But I would say none of my men ever wanted to do that. So, so when I take hormones off the table now, because I, I currently do not prescribe and I am still getting amazing results, I'm hitting all those other women that have either tried the hormones or like, again, this icing on the cake, we work on all the underlying and then we see what's left and like, okay, now you need hormones. Let me refer you to one of my friends. Yeah. Or maybe there's a contraindication for hormones. So if you have hormones off the table, meaning maybe they don't want to do hormones, they have a medical condition that is a contraindication to them, or they're already on hormones and it's still not helping their libido. What can people expect in general of ways that you can help them without, without hormones. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I, I deal with a lot of women just coming into the world or they're, they've been in the world and they've dabbled into the holistic quote unquote holistic health world of trying to, you know, fix, fix their nutrition and all the things, but they just can't do it and they can't stick with it. So I actually help them. And I, I start very foundationally because I find that if we can improve your symptoms with the foundational things, and what that includes is, again, working on your mindset. So I 
I personally have delved into the world of mindset for the past eight years on my own recovery because there were a lot of things that I was conditioned in my head to think as well, uh, which contributed to my adrenal issues. And so I found, you know, in working with women, like, yes, if, if we can try all the hormones in the world, but if we don't get to the root of the mindset issues of like some of the conditioning she was raised with and some of the things she thinks about herself, her body and her, her, you know, her roles in the household and such, we're never going to get to that point where she actually wants to go into the bedroom because she's always going to feel resentful. She's always going to feel, you know, self, her self-esteem is going to be low and she's not going to feel confident, all the things. So we work on that, which is a new component to my working with women. Cause again, I kind of started from the back and worked my way down because this, when the hormones don't work and just the nutrition, nutrition is huge. And I do a sort of a mini detox. And when I say a detox with women, like there are definitely some foods out there that women are intolerant of. But what I find with a lot of women is that they are so disconnected from their body. They don't even know how they feel. Like, you know, like when I asked about libido, like when's the last time your, your, your libido was at a level you enjoyed that you liked? I don't even know. When did you have good energy? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like they don't know. They're so, when did you start with your constipation? I don't know. Like it's been years. Like they just, they're so disconnected with what is going on in their body because they're so busy doing right. Women nowadays are just so busy, like between the, again, the kids, the household, the job and the pandemic just put them over the edge. So I always start with like, obviously in them. And for me, myself included and my, my clients, like mindset is not like a switch you turn on and off is one of these things that you always have, like we were always working on. Like we're always going back to those thoughts that we keep having and trying to tweak the thoughts. The other thing that I've also, also helped women with is habits because I find what has not worked for me in the past is when I'd say, okay, Monday, we're going to do this, 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 right? Like it, it just doesn't work. They're already stressed enough. And I'm telling them to overhaul their diet, get some sleep, hydrate, exercise, and take care of the kids, make them, you know, it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. So what do you do for somebody who's like, look, I just can't, I can't, I don't even have any, I just can't even do any of those things. I'm just too tired. Like, I don't even know where to start. We start small. And I, and again, I've learned from my mistakes, you know, I've, I, again, working in the, the office and now online where I can actually hold women's hands more than I could in my office. I have found even when I poured 50 things on them, even holding their hands. And I, that's an exaggeration. It's not 50, like 10 different things. It's like, it's too much. Like we have to start baby. Like we can't mm-hmm. even start like an entire week of, of eating, you know, mostly food. That's not out of a package with 50 ingredients. We have to start with one meal sometimes. And, you know, we gradually, and it takes time. You know, when I introduced nutrition, like, you know, you'd like to think you can do it in a six week program. Yeah. Women can do it. But then at week seven, they're done. They're like, okay, I've been quote unquote good for six weeks. I'm done. Like, I find that if we do it in much smaller bites and like, okay, let's change three breakfasts this week. Maybe instead of having a sugary cereal, we have a smoothie or we have, you know, oatmeal or something else that's going to be healthier for them. And that's number one. Number two, I, I do find also with like getting women to come in and intermittently fast and cut out carbs and all the, it's so depriving. Like they already feel like they're not getting enough out of life. Right. (laughs) We're telling them to take out, you know, carbs and, and not eat for 16 hours. We can't do that. Like again, very little steps, you know, maybe we go to bed, don't eat, wait a little bit when get up in the morning, like, you know, a 12 hour fast. If we can do that, maybe we can just do eight to start with. Like 
again, having grace in ourselves that we don't have to get to the finish line in a week, in a month, you know, it might take you a year, but I find that the, the slower I take these, um, and a lot, and a lot of times I do things like my detox of taking some inflammatory foods out, including alcohol, <laughs> you know, like it's amazing how many women's lives are improved when we take out alcohol for a oh, little bit, you know? Yes. And again, it's become this huge crutch in the past two years for women. But I think like my, I, I, for women, a lot of times we need that immediate dopamine hit. We need the weight loss. Like we need at least a five, like a two pound, like water retention weight loss. Right. Like, so we can see the scale move so I can keep them in the game. Even though I can say non-scale victories, how your pants fitting. A lot of women need that like scale to change. And I always come back to weight because that's a huge, so many women come to me, like whatever their other symptoms are, it feels like it's stemming from their weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like if I can start helping them right in the beginning, getting a little bit of a, a scale victory or even the pants fitting better or they're less below or something physical in their body and like really get them back in their body. They're willing to show up tomorrow and do one more thing. That's going to get them a little further ahead. I always say, I love the book atomic habits by James clear. It's 1% better every day. Like not hundred percent, just 1% closer to your goal every day. And again, it might be one meal. It might be taking a 15 minute walk when you've previously did nothing. It might be going to bed a little bit earlier. It might be having one less cup of coffee, not a pot, you know, full pot. And I do find, and I used to be that one, like, let's do it all. And now I'm like, okay, that's not working. (laughs) That is definitely not working. You really got to meet people where they are and everybody's on their health journey. Like somebody might be right here at the beginning and somebody else might be doing quote all the things, but you know, I would imagine you're pretty far now along on your health journey. I like to think I am, but there's always something else little I could be doing just a little bit better. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I always play. I always play. If I hear something, I'm like, let me play with that and see if my body will like that. You know, like I, I'm always playing because I like to know what's, you know, and I like to be exposed for my own personal experience to different things just so I can have the experience for my clients because not everyone, some women are going to thrive on a certain particular nutrition plan in the and I call them more advanced. Like we start basic with just like, let's cut out the junk as much as we can, <laughs> you know, and then we'll get more specific with the different macros and such. But again, it's just baby steps. And me- like you said, medium where they're at. And if they are that more advanced, well, then there's something missing and let's figure out what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not this, it's one size fits all. Um, like even for me is I need to get outside more, which that's difficult in, Oh, I would imagine it's the same in in New York. Is that's hard in these winter months? But you know what? I got I got coats. I need to get outside. And other than other than you never see the sun like for six months out of the year. Exactly, and it does take an effort. And you know, this is why I'm big. I also again big into habits now, and this is sort of new in my in my uh, business and working with clients is because women don't really know. Like, yeah, we're giving them all these healthier things to do, but how do they even start? You know, so it's like, okay, take something that you're already doing and put something that you need to do right after it. So maybe, you know, it starts becoming a more of a normal habit for you to do. And then put on the other side, something that you really want to do, but you never do. But that's kind of your quote unquote reward for doing the thing that you need to do. You know, so for instance, you know, you're going to go, you got to go to the gym. Okay. I'm going to go to the gym. I have to get on the treadmill. Okay. On the treadmill, I'm going to watch a YouTube video, (laughs) you know, like I want to watch YouTube or I want to go on social media, but I don't want to just sit and do it. So go to the gym, get on the treadmill and then watch your social media. At least you're doing something active while Mm -hmm. doing it. And sometimes that's again, where we need to start because it's kind of, 
on either side, something she's already doing. And then on the other side of it, you know, something that she wants to do. So it's, again, huge into habits, huge into just to get the, the ball rolling and to make it feel not so hard. My biggest takeaway from our conversation is there's not one answer for everybody and everybody's different on their health journey or even their libido journey. And it's not something that's ever going to be fixed in a three to 10 minute visit with a doctor. Um, and so that's what's great about the service you offer is you can really um, spend the time with somebody and really dig into what's going on with them. Um, even it sounds like you delve into the psychological aspects. And that's one thing I don't do here is uh, we do do a lot of hormones and you know, I refer to a lot of kind of sex counselors to deal with that aspect. So it's great that you've been able to incorporate that in your counseling. Well, you know, and I, I do a lot of it for myself. So whatever I learn when I have these, aha, cause I'm, I'm just like half my, my clients, you know, or, or most of my clients of where I've been and where I am now and what I've had to, the tools that I've had to learn and utilize. And it's kind of like trial and error. I have to say, I didn't do as, as much of this work in my brick and mortar, I, in my office either, because I, I, again, we think, oh, an hour with a patient, we have so much more time, but I was going over labs and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and recommending like dietary changes and maybe some supplements and on hormones. Like I honestly didn't have the time myself to delve into such things as how she thought about herself and, and a little bit more about the stress. So that's why I'm taking my platform now, because again, there's great docs, like you saw that prescribing the hormones, like, I feel like I am just helping those other women that maybe have tried that or they're on it. It's just not getting them to that next level. I work on other, all the other things that my, my functional medicine docs that are doing all the other great things can't do in the office. Right. And, and I just think there's, it's such a, there's such a need. So it's very collaborative. We can yes. all help. Yep. So where can people find you? Oh gosh, I am all over social media. Cause that, cause I am online. So that is my, prof my, platform of, of, uh, you know, spreading the word. So I, I have a website, drreneewallenstein.com, but I'm all over TikTok, Instagram, Facebook at Dr. Renee Wallenstein. And I have a private Facebook group where I try to talk about holistic health topics just for education purposes. I have a book that was just released yesterday called the libido RX, the pill free solution to unleash your inner sexy. It is currently, I think the paperback just came out this morning. So oh, that's so exciting. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. It's a small book, but you know, it's just, it's giving women some sort of, you know, like a, a starter point. Uh, you know, when I wanted to write a book, I'm like, gosh, this is a big topic. This is going to be a beast of a book. And I actually, um, I had a, I knew I had a book in me to start with. And I, I met someone who's like, it's not the book, Renee, it's a book. It's one of many. And I, and I, I hang on that every word. Cause I, I'm already starting to think about my next book. But it's a, you know, it's a starter book. You can sit and read in probably 35, 40 minutes. And it, it might change your perspective on how you think about low libido. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So this is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for uh, chatting with me. I think our listeners will really find this helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. 
no patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.